Love War. Welcome to the Love War podcast. As always, we're Grant and Brian, one of us, a professional musician, pastor, and recovering pastor's kid, the other, a media and public relations expert, a writer, and a pop culture aficionado. That's me. What's up, man? How's it going? I've got a fun show planned for us today. So we've been talking about a lot of like really heavy issues, and we've been going into depth with them. And so uh, today I figured uh, as the first of a recurring feature um, that we're going to uh, reel it back a little bit and do something a little bit more fun, just do uh, a, a Friday roundup of some things that I've been thinking about, and uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun with it. Yeah, and okay. so, and and uh, the beauty of this is that I uh, specifically kept Grant in the dark about this, but <laughs> but the topics that I've selected are things that I know he's knowledgeable about. So we're gonna put him on the spot a little bit, which is Ooh. fun. Always a good time, and we're gonna deal with some topical things. We're gonna deal with some news stuff, uh, and we're going to deal with some personal stuff and and uh, do a little bit of an inside look into you know those recommendations that we always give you at the end of each podcast. We're gonna do that a little bit more in depth today, so that's gonna be some fun. You ready that's for this, be, Grant? I'm ready for this. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, you definitely did complete. You know, I'm completely in the dark, 100. So yes, you are. So mm-hmm. I want to talk about Noam Chomsky today. You know Noam Chomsky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Noam Chomsky, he's a, a literary critic. In terms of language, he's one of my heroes. He um, is is one of the the people who I think has a great command of the English language and, and the uh, modes and methods that we use to communicate. And an interesting thing happened this week. Do you know what I'm getting at here? Um, I'm not sure. I've heard a few things, but... All right, so InfoWars has been blocked from Facebook and other social media sites. Now, uh, this is not a tacit endorsement of InfoWars, and I'm fine sharing my opinion. I I think that, uh, that it's crazy conspiracy theory stuff. I think that Christians should do well to uh, to stay away from that sort of thing. I think that we should speak truth in all of our endeavors and, and yearn to find the truth wherever it exists. And I think that uh, just seeking out crackpot conspiracy theories is, is not a great way for us to, um, to be good witnesses. That's just me. You might have a different opinion. But something really interesting happened. When mm-hmm. Noam Chomsky, the great liberal thinker and mm-hmm. orator, uh, came to the defense, more or less, of, of InfoWars, and here's what he said. And now, this is from the InfoWars website. I, I have to say this. This is like one of the only times that uh, I'm ever going to talk about InfoWars in a positive light. Just so mm-hmm. you know, you know, that I, I sort of find it... Um, uh, uh, antithetical to the journalistic values that I still hold true, even though sure. I haven't been in the journalism world for some time. Uh-huh. He sent a, an email to Infowars uh, admitting that he once appeared on Alex Jones' show. He didn't know who Alex Jones was at the time. He considered walking out at the time. He thought that it was ridiculous, but he stayed on out of politeness. He says, what I've seen of what he does is outrageous, but unlike many civil libertarians here, and especially in other countries, I don't think the right way to deal with hate speech 
and crazed fabrications is to ban them, rather to confront them and to seek and to confront the reasons why anyone pays a moment's attention to them. So he's essentially saying, why is Facebook banning content that Facebook, that Mark Zuckerberg, that this corporate entity finds offensive? Yeah. You know, it's so funny because uh, I, man, I was I was reading and listening to some some stuff on this, and um, uh, there was a um, first of all Noam Chomsky, right? Uh, there's a there's an artist that like, I absolutely love that opens up with. Um, I think it's the name of the song is Noam Chomsky's Revolution. Noam Chomsky is, let me see. It's like it's, it's an absolute. He's an, he's actually. It's funny. He's an English guy. His name's. You're Foy talking Vance, about Foy right? Vance, right? Noam and, Chomsky uh, is a soft yeah, revolution. Chomsky's soft, soft revolution. Yeah, that that is that that album. The album that that's on um, is is uh, the Wild Swan is one of my favorite. So I just it's so funny that we're kind of jumping into this um but so i the whole thing about like alex jones all that i mean that guy yeah mm. to me um i man i i'm all about free speech sure and so am i how do you feel about like conspiracy theories though how do you feel about like uh peddling uh narratives that have proven to be false you hear alex I, jones all the time say it's a false flag it's a false flag this is uh he said that about uh the the sandy hook massacre which is just uh was devastating to me and was actually and this is kind of an aside but the thing that that made me think really good and hard about gun control in the united states uh i was sort of ambivalent about it until you have children's lives taken in a mass shooting event and they were specifically targeted for being kids. At any rate, uh, the the idea that we can say that this is, or that somebody can say that this is uh, a fraud perpetrated by the government is uh, astonishingly bad to me. Um, and that might not be hate speech per se, but I think that it does a disservice to the families and to the memories of the, the children. Um, but the question that we're grappling with here and the question that Chomsky's grappling with is, is this something that we need to uh, put the plug on? Is this something that, that does, does America need to be a country that bans what it considers hate speech? No. Absolutely Straight up not. no. No. His free speech is our free speech. Sure. So what about uh, somebody who comes on a campus? And I'm not talking about there's there's a lot of hullabaloo over people like Ann Coulter and, and Ben Shapiro showing up on the Berkeley campus. And I'm not talking about that. We can have an educated opinion about that. I don't want to go too far into the weeds with that. But what about somebody uh, on a national stage coming up and saying, hey, I hate X type of people. We should kill X type of people. That's that that's inciting violence. It's anti Second Amendment or First Amendment, right? So, like, what's the dividing line between something that incites violence and incites hatred? Something that the First Amendment doesn't protect, and 
stuff like the the lies I would consider lies that Alex Jones is peddling. Like, wh- where's the dividing line there? Listen, I think the here the th- the thing is is it's a slippery slope, right? Because then then the government gets involved and says starts saying what is free uh, hate speech and what isn't hate speech. And once you start f- once you start going down that road, man, uh, the thing is is right now you could say. Uh, you know, Trump could go in and be like, no, nah, this is hate speech. I mean, they literally, there was that percentage of uh, that came out that said Republicans, like X, what, 46% of Republicans believe that they should, that Trump should ban, uh, um, you know, whatever the outlets were that were free, uh, that were like, you know, uh, something about uh, controlling the media, like 46%. I forget the exact, I should look it up before I just start uh just start like shooting that off but basically it was it was a percentage that a large the, percentage right yeah that they should that he should be able to do that that he should be able to kind of censor like you know a lot of the media outlets well the the thing is is like it's so ridiculous one it's so short-sighted for either side because as soon as you do that on this side you know who knows if you don't like the guy in office the next time he's going to come in and he's going to do the exact same thing right what in the world we've been having this back and forth conversation for so long and it's so ridiculous the thing you know the same thing has been happening just to cut in real quick with the idea of the filibuster and um it seems like every time there's a new administration every time there's a new party who takes office that they impose rules on the filibuster that help them at that time that end up having dreadful consequences for that same party down the road when the opposite party's in power it is so ridiculous and like it's just all you know it's it's so short-sighted and of course you know that's kind of like where we are right now and they are right now it's just very short-sighted but Back to the free speech thing. Like there is a there was a um, there was a piece that came out um, right after they right after they wrote the Bill of Rights. I forget one of the signers wrote this piece. Man, there was this. It was a specific piece that he wrote because people were um, people were talking about that you know specific thing. Like oh you know they're talking against the government. And he said he said specifically it doesn't matter if you're talking like it doesn't if you're talking directly against the country and what it stands for like that is the right that we sign that is the one hundred percent the right that we sign to me um, it doesn't it doesn't matter because at some point somebody else is going to get in and say uh, you know uh, you know I'm you know I think we should censor this I think we should censor this whatever it's just gonna it's gonna flip. I'm like a free speech 100% guy. You know, when it, when you're talking about like inciting violence, I think that there is a dividing line that you you're, you're going to be able to see. And that that's reasonable, able, right? Like 100%. We, absolutely. Uh, I but when it comes to cracking down, like I I don't care. Like that's why like let Alex Jones go. And I'm not an Alex Jones guy fan, obviously. Like but let those guys go. I mean, that's their right. That is their right to do that and uh once we start cracking down that man it's just going to flip the other way at some point the fact that um i think because uh, twitter i think is the only as of right now i think is the only platform that hasn't banned him right i think everybody else has unless they cracked i haven't actually checked it in the last couple of days but day or two but um i like props to them for not cracking like the thing is sure. is here's the deal like you want to like these platforms right facebook youtube twitter if you want to like they can you know they can censor hate speech or 
inciting violence if they want to because it's the platform but they need to write down exactly what those rules are in black and white and they will not because they want to take they want to have the uh they want to be able to kind of you know swim back and forth back and forth of uh and find the the lines of hey i'm gonna we're gonna ban this but we're not gonna ban this we're gonna ban this we're not gonna ban this but i think like if you want to start banning listen uh you know whatever uh, just write down in black and white what your terms and your violations actually are, and they will not do that. Right, they did right. that. The uh, they did the whole thing with uh, like Facebook when the wh- wh- who was that girl? Who was the um, I think it was the congresswoman that was running in California, and she ran that ad. Um, her her parents were from um, actually were from uh, Vietnam, and uh, she used real like I guess war footage or something like that. Facebook banned it banned it and she was a conservative right sure and, sure uh, they're like oh you know this is uh, violating our terms and conditions and they're like okay it took literally like a national coalition for her for that ad to be released and now the whole you know the conversation about um well you know it's because she's conservative it's because she's not conservative whatever and um the thing is, is like that's fine, you know. Like, uh, you know, when you're when it when it when it comes to politics, and when when it comes to something politically, you can get, you know, and you're running in a district, you can get, you know, uh, you know, you know, support. But what about the people that can't get support and get a national kind of movement behind them? Right, right, right. And the funny thing is, is like now I know who that congresswoman is because of Facebook banning her, like or uh, shutting down that ad. So it kind of like this is the great democratization of media, right? Like this is what happens. And um, you mentioned, I believe, who you were talking about earlier was James Madison in the Federalist Papers. Um, He also wrote in the National Gazette, it was a national paper at the time in 1791. Public opinion sets bounds to every government and is a real sovereign and every free one. yeah, so, there was a specific. There was a specific. Uh, uh, there was a specific name of it. It's gonna kill me now because I was like, I was like, digging into it, and it was, it was, it was. Hey, I put you on the st- spot. I'm not gonna hold you accountable. I can't for remember that. what it was. I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out what it was. But um, anyway, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, All right, no, no, was, that's it was fine. So, it was so specific to like. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're directly like, if they're directly anti-government. That is the right. That is their right to be able to do that. Their speech, their free speech is our free speech. That's what it comes down to. So uh, a rare moment when Grant Reitzel is agreeing with Noam Chomsky. (laughs) Yeah. Not bad. That's really funny. Mm. I want to talk Mm -hmm. about something else that uh, it's it's a really difficult issue. Um, And I'm not going to use names, but I think that people who... Uh, who are listening to us and and people who are involved in the church will probably know what the situation is. And I just, I want to be a little bit delicate, but it seems like the church is dealing with a reckoning when it comes to the Me Too movement. Um, A very popular and a very famous preacher is being accused, uh, new accusations, there have been accusations before, but being accused of being untoward, more than that, with uh, a member of his staff. And I wanted to talk about, and this is tough stuff, but I wanted to talk about uh, what's the responsibility of churches when they realize that 
their pastor is doing something wrong? What's the responsibility of churches when they realize that women's voices aren't being listened to? Um, in this situation, there was uh, board members and, and pastors who have actually left the church uh, because of this situation. Um, and it's tough. We're, we're dealing with, I think, a, a part of it is we're dealing with sin that was maybe acceptable in the past. It's not acceptable anymore. It's not that sin is ever acceptable, but how do we as a church rally around people who have been victimized by people in power, even people in power in the church, and, and how do we love them and support them? It's tough. This is really tough stuff. Yeah, I you know I think uh, um, I think it was like Vox dot com did a um, uh, some kind of report since April twenty seventeen two hundred and nineteen celebrities or politicians have been accused of uh, sexual misconduct. That's like two hundred and nineteen in in less than two years. And right? that's what we know of, right? Like those that's are the documented exactly. cases. Correct, correct, and I that's I mean. The guy that you're talking about, like, I mean, should we name he, him on this show or should we not? I, it doesn't matter. I mean, we can, we can if you want. I mean, so we're we're talking about, uh, and I'm I'm going to read from Christianity Today, um, Pastor Bill Hybels from Willow Creek, uh, elders and and uh, female pastor Heather Larson have resigned over allegations that he sexually assaulted a member of his staff. Um, yeah, I, the new allegations as of, uh, there was one a few, like a Sunday or two ago, and, um, and there was, uh, there's some that just kind of keep coming out. There was, there's a piece in the New York, yeah, the New York Times, right, that, that, uh, it was a member, uh, it was, it was his, um, his personal assistant, um, I guess, 15 years ago, 20 yeah. years ago, something like that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's so, man, the, the crazy thing is, uh, he was such. I I have a few of his books. You I, and me both. Yeah. I have. Um, he, he's been. When it comes to the interesting thing is he's such a proponent for women in in church leadership. Yeah. And has been like a pioneer on not a pioneer but a very uh, large advocate on that front. Um, I've gone to. I mean, there was a huge thing. You know, he has a he has a worldwide event called the Global Leadership Summit. Yes, he does. And I've gone that I've been, uh, well, not anymore, but that I was, uh, um, that I, I had gone to a ton of times. Yeah. Um, when it comes to leadership and church leadership and all that, there wasn't very many people that knew church leadership better than him. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the it's like, it's kind of like what happens when your heroes fall, right? I mean, um, does it discount all the things that, they've ever done does it discount the thing you know the, I mean there there are thousands of people that are in heaven because of him yeah because of the things that he um, taught because of things that he preached and he influenced um, thousands and thousands of churches around the world to be able to kind of step their leadership up higher expectations all of those things right so but we deal with this actually quite a bit um, the the some would consider it irony and some would consider it just like uh, 
standard operating procedure for the human condition that Christians unfortunately aren't going to be less fallible than the human population as a whole. We're all dealing with the sin thing, right? Um, and what does that mean for our church leadership and for the lessons that he taught? Uh, does this mean that we should dismiss everything that he said out of hand just because he's been accused of something? The lessons that he taught, the books that he wrote, are we supposed to burn those books? Are we supposed to unlearn those lessons? Like, what do we as a church do with the good that he's done? And then how do we do that if we're, if we can indeed do that? How do we do that while still supporting victims of assault uh, women who have been hurt in the church yeah I it's in the church the church has been so bad literally terrible at um, at confronting those things confronting these things and um, really acting on it I mean they've really I know of people that the victims have been ostracized and f- and forced to break community, right? And not can we just either. say, like, right now that that is not of God? Like, that's, that is shameful and disgusting and despicable. Uh, and, and not only us, Grant and Brian, but as, as members of the global worldwide church, um, shame on people for not listening to victims and not believing women. And I, yeah. I think that's important to say. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely right. And, yeah. uh, you know, other congregations, um, Bill Hybels was known as an evangelical, but we know um, John Howard Yoder is, uh, was a, uh, a, a very influential Mennonite uh, minister who after his death was accused of just unimaginable harm mm-hmm. to women. Um, and uh, Hauerwas, who was one of his closest friends and, and uh, sort of an acolyte, has had to grapple with the fact that his friend and mentor is and, and was um, engaged in sin. Uh, and, and frequent and even in a lot of cases unrepentance in and what do we do with those lessons can we still learn from those lessons and I think yeah. that's something that the church is going to grapple with for a long time um, you know it's it's kind of like uh, some of my favorite bands and some of my favorite actors have gotten um, I don't want to say caught up in this Me Too thing as if they didn't do anything wrong, you know, but they've been accused of some horrible misdeeds. Like, should I not watch their movies anymore? Should I not listen to their music? With the church, it's it's a little bit more dramatic because it's, what do we do with these teachings and, and this, um, this movement that has in large part been a very positive thing, but that is attached to this one person? Yeah, I mean, you know, the his is obviously his legacy is clouded, right? And I think that there are some principles that are going to be that are going to stand when it comes to stuff, you know, you know, like certain church growth principles, certain other things that 
that he gets a lot of the credit for, but, you know, his church, his team, you know, a lot of those, there was more than just him involved in those things. Right, he wasn't a one-man band. He wasn't at all. It's important for us to understand that, um, that that a a church, a a pastor is very important and a a leader is very important, but, um, but a church's foundation and a church's theology and the work that a church does. And when I talk about church, I'm not talking about it in the global sense. I'm talking about uh, a a specific uh, Christian community, church community, um, that the theology and the work doesn't live or die by the, the sort of name brand. But I think that a lot of the efficacy can and a lot of the, um, you know, the, the, the brand is important in terms of uh, its reach. And, and and so it's it's difficult for us to separate. And it's been difficult for me. I mean, I've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks and really trying to reconcile uh, what I've gotten from Hybels and, and what I... The, the, truth and the good stuff that uh that i've received and and have learned from and have grown from through these people who have done difficult things and i i think that it's really easy to say like well look at king david look at what he did you know uh he uh had an affair with bathsheba and had uriah killed and he was still called a man after god's own heart um Nevertheless, I think that's a um, that's a pretty myopic way of looking at things. When you know we that's this isn't three thousand years ago. This is something that's happening right now, and there are still victims that need to be dignified. Yeah, and uh, the thing with David, I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that, a few words that you know, kind of people will continue to take out of context in that in that scenario the thing is is that people pull that out and they're like well you know that's you know that's kind of you know he's he's a man after god's own heart and all that and the scripture says things a little bit differently but at the same time if you look at day of the point in david's life and what happens after that his life goes downhill in a a quick spiral a quick spiral yeah and it never recovers it never recovers it it it's actually terrible his family never recovers. Yeah, it's 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 insane, and and those are those are the you know those are those are consequences that are going to deal with. He did great things. His legacy was great. You know all of those things, but his you know it tears apart his family. It tears apart everything. I mean, in in the Heibel situation, uh, his you know obviously his legacy is forever tarnished, and now you have an entire you have a you have an entire church. You have an entire organization leadership organization who knows what's going to happen to it really sure and who re- who really knows and um, they're, they're they're in need of prayer and they're in need of support i think um, yeah. and and i i want to be clear that uh, you know supporting the victims is important but supporting that church body uh, mm-hmm. secondarily is also really important and i think that uh, if you know if you get a moment pray for Willow Creek and, and pray for this, this community that's been doing great things. Many of whom, you know, of course, didn't even know Hybels personally, uh, yeah. but, th- but have, have done a lot of great things in Christ's name. And, and we need to, uh, we need to keep them in, in prayer too, because they've been affected as well. 
Yeah, I, I back to kind of what you were talking about before. Um, you know, you see the man at the top and right. Yeah, he is. He is kind of casting on. You know, the vision and all those kinds of things. Um, at the same time, you know, and we've seen it over and over in history. Um, the Bakers, the Swaggerts, all of those guys that you know have. Um, have kind of uh, have obviously sinned and things. There's been a fallout, right? And what a lot of people don't understand is that there is an entire organization behind them that they would not be able to do what they do or be as effective or as um, as known as they are without an entire team behind them, right? So when people, when people like you know, when you you you, you kind of uh, take aim at the guy at the top. Right, you're toppling. You're trying. You're toppling an entire organization. It's easy, you know, the one guy to take the weight, and he should. Right, doesn't right. Excuse anything that he he does or doesn't do, but there's an entire organization behind him um, that um, has has made that organization as effective as as it is. There's uh, you have a personality and have and you have an entire team that executes. Right. Yeah. And. Um, and so there's a lot more to that than just that. At the same time, I think that the shameful part of it is um, is I, the first teaching pastor that uh, stepped down a couple weeks ago or two weeks ago, whatever it was. I mean, he was literally at, at odds with the board and the other pastor of how it was handled. Yeah. Everybody, and that was the thing. Like there was a there was an interesting thing even before Heibel stepped down. There was like, hey, let's um, let's you know let's uh, let's Let's work on um, kind of uh, let's work on you know getting back together. Let's work on patching this up. Let's work on well, but before any of the things have actually been identified, and you know before before any of the the, the sins were actually identified and actually that they the asking for, he never asked for forgiveness from them you know they they wanted to jump right into uh restoration right and the concentration on restoration right right it could have been a little bit of a uh a decoy for the actual like you know for the actual you know let's walk through this and ask for forgiveness and that pastor stepped down the teaching pastor stepped down a couple of weeks ago because there had been such a uh a mishandling Again, of of the allegations and and the way that um, those actions were, you know, the disciplinary process, all of those things, it's just been mishandled. Yeah, and and one of the things that I was thinking about, well, two points that I want to make real quick, and then we can move on to the next topic. Um, there was some real heroism and real uh, Christ-likeness that was happening behind the scenes that I think gets shoved under the rug for the more sensational aspects of this story. And, and, and Christ is working behind the scenes on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and recognizing that and understanding that, that uh, in large part, the reason that this church, I think, is ultimately going to survive, this community is going to survive, is a lot of people did the unpopular thing and the right thing. And and that's mm-hmm. that's fantastic. The other thing, though, is and and this is like where my mind goes to from a public relations standpoint. Um, isn't this just? And I, I don't want to like diminish this. I know that uh, that saying this can sound a little bit tacky, but I think about Papa John's and uh, and their recent struggles and yeah. uh, and how they're not only the the um, 
founder of the organization, but his name, John Schnatter, he's on, on the pizza, you right. know, how, how this, uh, this pizza company is going to have to turn itself around in response to some really terrible things that, uh, that their namesake did. And, um, and so we might also be like, not only dealing with, um, a devastating sin issue, uh, and, uh, uh, some, horrendous harms to to vulnerable people and people who are in vulnerable positions but it also um it's a brand issue you know mm. and uh i i am praying for willow creek and and i think that uh that a part of this situation is you know you gotta sort of step away from this person and rebrand yourself do what you did well uh, but in those gaps, in those places where that memory still exists, come in and and really do. Some, this sounds so tacky, but really do some brand work to uh, to to bolster the the good things that you're already doing. Yeah, uh, I, there are lessons I, there. The, absolutely, I think what they have to do, if they they really have to address these things and force not force an apology, but they really need to. And if they don't get one from Hivels or whatever the situation, they need to they need to apologize to Christendom for their mishandling of this situation. Yeah, yeah. And the the thing is, is you know, for all the talk about hey, women in ministry, women in leadership, and then mishandling this and almost. Not trying to sweep it under the the rug. Maybe they were. I don't really know. They were just dragging their feet, obviously. And I can't imagine what that you know to be in that situation and trying to make you know to like make making those judgment calls on the spot is very tough. And there and your and your judgment gets so clouded by the trust and the relationship that you have in a, in a person. Not, but there it takes a very strong leader and a clear thinker to say this is wrong. You know, we have to. This is what we have to do. This is way we have to kind of walk it out on all those things. And if if they want to save, if they want to gain the trust back in years to come. In years to come, they're going to have to do that. And th- this really should be a, a point to where a lot of church leaders need to to take real inventory of themselves yeah, yeah, and absolutely. their staff and say, this is what we're going to do when these things happen. We're not going to shame these people. We're not going to cast them out. We're not going to write them off. Th- that that is not what Jesus would have done, and um, they're they're going to set some of those expectations and those things in place because it's just not you, you know we don't we don't need to get a bad rap for the churches need to get a bad rap for that they already have, and uh, somebody's got to you know kind of stand up and, and take that. That's a good word. So let's move on to some lighter topics here. Uh, <laughs> finally today. Uh, so at the end of every episode, Grant and I talk about what we're into, the things that uh, that we're reading, listening to, watching, that influence us, that make us better people. I thought that it would be fun to uh, to just go into at the end of this episode a little bit more in depth than we usually do. Um, what's what's making you go? What what do you uh, wake up every morning and look forward to? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Uh, what's been going on in that area? Um. And so, you always say so many things, but let's go. Let's go specific here. Right. What are you digging? And um, and I'll actually give you some time to think about it. Um, yeah. Go because ahead, yeah. I uh, so I was recently on uh, on a vacation, and one of the things that I like to do when I'm on vacation is just take a big stack of books 
I told Grant this beforehand, and, and after I got back, he's like, did you get through your whole stack? I did not get through my whole stack of books. I got through most of it, but I didn't get through the whole stack. Um, I read uh, I, I read some really great stuff. One of the books that I read that I really enjoyed was, it, it's called Meddling Kids by a guy named Edgar Cantero. Mm. And it's... Um, it's about these uh, these four kids who back in the 70s would solve crimes in their community and every crime that they solved uh, they were just a- able to uh, pull off the dude's mask and, and the, the guy would say like I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids and they had a dog so you can see where this is kind of mm-hmm. like a, a, a funny <laughs> Scooby Doo sort of thing um, but it's uh about 15 years later and the kids come back into town to uh to finally solve a mystery that they thought they solved but didn't quite solve um and they're they're all in like different places in their lives one of them is uh is dead he died of a drug overdose one of them is uh, like was a biology major and was like a really good science kid back in the 70s and is just waitressing tables. One of them uh, is in an insane asylum and uh, frequently talks to the dead member of their of their detective club. And so it's <laughs> yeah it's it's funny stuff, um, but it it asks a lot of questions about the. Um, the hurdles that friendships go through and mm-hmm. and is is friendship something that can be maintained when life is tough and it's always changing us that was a a, a fantastic and funny read and it was especially brilliant because cantero um it was his first novel in english he's he's uh not an english speaker natively and the fact that uh, that he was able to spin such a yarn and and add in so many pop culture references and um, he makes verbs out of nouns frequently, which is kind of a cool linguistic trick that not a lot of people use. Uh, uh, kind of a blast to read. So I enjoyed mm. that. De- definitely uh, the language is a little bit R-rated, but it's it's really funny. Um, if you're a mature reader, I would highly recommend that. I, I very much enjoyed that. So uh, that's that's one of the things that I've been into. How about you? So I um there's been a few things. You ever feel like you like you ever feel like you um you haven't read anything but then you go Frequently. back and you figure like the night, the last 2 days you you've like read probably 25 articles but you don't think it's anything cuz it's not an actual book. It happens all the time. Yeah, right? I I just So I um I don't know. It's it's so funny. I feel like oh, I haven't read anything and I'm like, man, I read a lot. But Nothing that I care to talk about, but actually, the I, I here's a, here's one thing that I'm about, I'm about to jump into. Um, it's the name of the book is "Cracking the Culture Code," or uh, the Culture Code. Sorry, not "Cracking the Culture Code." It's the Culture Code um, by Daniel Coyle. I've I've been obsessed with this this idea of culture and organizations with culture and churches with culture and. Um, you know, it's so funny because it's it's very tough for people to be able to put their hands around culture. It becomes like just how like a, a powerful team becomes, you know, how they do things, right? And sure, I'm just sure. I'm just kind of obsessed with that and just 
digging culture and seeing cult, the the fruits of culture and so i'm about to jump into that i i have zero recommendation it looks like it's a good book <laughs> right so the cover's actually kind of cool it's yeah it's got this um you know those like 1950s uh and early 60s like those mid-modern clocks yep. they had like the tiny little clock in the middle and then they had like all of these um sort of lines extending that have it's like Googie, yeah. uh Gucci architecture is they what went, it reminds yeah, me yeah they want they want a little Gatsby on there yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah, right? yeah yeah um so I'm about to jump into that so I'm kind of excited about that um I I also um I started listening to I haven't got through the whole thing yet I started listening to uh Gregory Allen Isaacoff's album called The Weatherman um he's a singer-songwriter okay and uh uh, started started getting into that. I still don't have an opinion yet. I'm I'm only a little bit a partial of the way through. So. so it doesn't take you like it's it's not like when you listen to something like you immediately know that you love it or hate it. I mean, in some cases, yeah. When it comes to singer songwriter stuff, I need to get to the end to be able to be like, yeah, I get it, or nah, I don't get it. Sure. Right. Um, I, I'll you know. There are certain things like I'm not gonna lie. I listened to Justin Bieber's latest album. Like, I there, I went through a couple weeks of like, because I, I I refused to listen to it in the beginning because I've always kind of not been a fan. And then, sure. um, and then I talked. I started talking to some friends that I respect, like some guys in the industry I respect. And they're like, dude, you really need to listen to this. Like, the production is fire. And, and what what did I, you think then? It was fire. Yeah? Yeah. Like, so, so I mean... You heard it right here. So Grant Reitzel is recommending that you it, go out and maybe not purchase, but at least go on YouTube and check out the singles from the latest Justin Bieber record. If you... Like, I'm not saying, like, if you don't... Like, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of that kind of music, and I know most people are, and they're like, oh, he sucks. Like, listen... When you have thousands of dollars and thousands, multiple thousands and thousands of like going into production with the best people on earth, uh, it's just gonna be good. You can hate the style of music, totally cool. Not we're not gonna argue about his talent level, we're not gonna talk about when you go and you make a piece, um, when you go in and you, you work on a project and it's like the production is so nasty, uh, there's no you can't argue against it. I don't care if you're like, you know what I mean? It's just like those people are like back in the day, like sure. old, old Metallica fans that would say <laughs> that, that would say you two sucks, right? Like you two sucks, right? Like it's, we can't talk about that. Like, like the production on that album is out of control. That's not um, an honest conversation when you're it, it comparing. Really yeah. It, it's a frigging locker room conversation. Like it's so, you know, I can't, I can't deal with that anymore. Yeah. Like I can't, um, but uh, so last night, I'm not going to, I'm going to like, okay. So last night, um, it was raining. It like the river, I live off the Schuylkill River. It, the river was flooding. I My mean, basement's flooded right now. I don't even want to go down and look. Like, I just know that it is. I, I went down there and I saw like at the, at the point that never gets water, I had like mm-hmm. an inch and a half and I'm like, I'm not even going to. Our sump pump isn't working. I, it's, uh, I don't know. It's such a nightmare. I, I, I mean, you know, the, you know, they blocked off the front road. I had to park my car like a half a mile away because I oh, live on a floodplain. Oh, man. Uh, so, you know, my wife, Rebecca's like, hey, we're watching a chick flick tonight. And um, I was like, all right, cool. She was like, you'll 
probably like it. It has like it has some like World War Two stuff in there. I think I haven't seen it. I heard about it and blah blah blah. I was like, all right, whatever. Like I don't care. Like it's raining. Like. Um, you know, I'm fine with that chick flick. Maybe I'll get lucky after the chick flick. You know, sure. those kinds of things, right? <laughs> so uh, we 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 uh, we start watching this thing called the the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, which is in a Netflix original, which sounds ridiculous, right? But it it was so good. It was um, a a highly well reviewed movie. And I had zero knowledge. I still have zero knowledge of, like, how it was actually, like, yeah, reviewed, anything. Like, literally, I just watched this last night. Um, I'm obsessed. It's bad, but I'm obsessed with, like, World War II history. Um, and That's not a bad thing. Well, it's just, you know, I'm just kind of fascinated by it. I'm just fascinated by it, which I think a lot of people in our generation sure. are. But it was, it's fascinating to me. And um, I... Man, mostly because I mean, it was it was about literary stuff. It was like you have no idea about the English Channel Islands. Uh, like you don't really. Yeah, know I have no them. zero clue. Right, and, like you don't, and you're like, oh my goodness, there's a, I want to go to this place. Like especially if you're uh, if you're into literature and all that. This it was it was really cool to see what the power of um, literature can do. You know, uh, and if you're if you're a writer or a reader. You know, you, you know about that, but it's just—it was just fascinating. I love you should. It's got a great, it. a great cast. The Lily James, of mm-hmm. course, from uh, Baby Driver by Edgar Wright, mm-hmm. one of my favorite directors, and uh, Matthew Good, who I—and this is like showing my true colors here, but I know best is um, Ozymandias in the in the Watchmen movie, which I mm-hmm. still like and I will still defend. Um, and the, the director was Mike Newell, who did uh, Donnie Brasco. So you really can't go wrong there. It's certified yeah. fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So. Ah, uh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, listen, there's a few people from Downton Abbey in there. If you're a oh, Downton yeah? Abbey fan, if you're a Downton Abbey fan, totally, totally cool. Totally, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I'm a Downton Abbey fan. Like I, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like it's just, I mean. I don't know if it's like I'm cool. Like I'm like you know I'm a capitalist, but you know we could go back to the feudal system if you want. And like <laughs> the aristocracy is cool as long as I get to be a lord or like a king or something. Sure, like that. sure. I mean we all need a dowager countess in our life. <laughs> I, I, I think. Right, right. Anyway, that's that's me, man. I, I uh, yeah, I know it's kind of boring, but that's where no, I'm no, right not at all. Um, there's an album that I've been really loving. It's it's called To the Sunset by Amanda Shires. Do you know Amanda mm. Shires? I've heard. I don't think I've I've listened to much. I don't think I've listened to much. No. So she's um she is a, a a musician in her own right. She's put out uh several solo albums. In fact, this one is her sixth one. I I think that it's probably getting the most press out of all of her albums so far uh she is the wife of oh jason is oh, a great that guy, great yeah. yeah a great oh, great artist named jason yeah. isbell one of my favorite yep. musicians mm-hmm. um she is a member of his band the 400 unit and uh, yeah. uh and and isbell was also uh, a longtime member of the drive-by truckers so just to give mm-hmm. you some context so this is his wife amanda shires but but she is not just uh you know this this really great musician's wife she's a great musician in her own right and i mm-hmm. would 
the, this album, like she she does like that uh, alt folk, alt country kind of thing. This yeah. album delves more into um, like pop and rock, and she incorporates other genres into it. So it's a a really cool sort of genre melding, which I enjoy. Um, awesome. Her voice is her voice is really unique. Um, it's it's not um, if if you're listening to Grant and me, the chances are pretty good that uh, you know Grant's wife Rebecca is just an incredible vocalist, an amazing singer. In fact, like when I when I hear songs that I know from church, like on the radio, or when my wife plays them on her iPod, like I feel shortchanged because Rebecca's not singing them. So because <laughs> I I love her voice, but um, so Amanda Shires has like a, a different vocal quality. She has um, and I I don't want to misuse the word because it's um. It, it, it connotes negatively, but she has um, a little bit of a, a shriller timbre that hmm. really, really works for the music. It's mm-hmm. a it's a unique voice. Um, I I think that we're in the golden age right now of of uh, women singer songwriters, and I think oh, that yeah. she's she's one of the best. And um, and the production on the album is just is just incredible. Um, I I can't I, I haven't listened to a I, like I said I can't like really pick her out. Um, but does she have like a timbre of like an Alison Krauss like a like a higher but like out of control like heavenly or is it a little bit there's a lot more character or how would you? So I w- I would say so it's it, I I wouldn't call her like a um uh a a female Bob De- like she's not Joanna Newsom. Right, okay. like she's not right. not not like, at that level, um, sure. but but it's um, it's it's a little bit of a breathier voice, um, certainly a higher voice I think than we hear in a lot of mainstream music. But it's not it's not like a, a songbird voice. There's like some grit there and sure. some determination there. Sure. Um, the producer of this record uh, is is Nashville native Dave Cobb. Um, mm-hmm. He's produced everybody from. Uh, Sturgill Simpson to the Zach Brown band, um, mm-hmm. and and uh, of course uh, has has worked with Brandy Carlisle, who, um, frankly, I can't think of a better song than the story by Brandy Carlisle. It's just the most beautiful song ever. The first time mm-hmm. I heard it, it made me cry, and every time since, it's made me cry harder. Um, so great, great um, production cred, but also just a, a, an amazing vocalist. Um, with some beautiful imagery in her lyricism. She uh, strays away from sort of telling people what her songs are about uh, under the auspices that music is supposed to be universal, and she wants her music to have its own meaning. But she does this Tom Waits thing where um, Tom Waits often says that your your music needs to be what he says like anatomically correct like you need the name of the street you need the name of the town you need to know what that bar smells like and she does that really really well um if i were to compare her voice with anybody um speaking of tom waits she reminds me just a tiny bit um, and, and don't laugh at me for saying this because I think she's got a knockout voice. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, the actress, actually records music and she's very good. And, and uh, okay. the reason yeah. that I bring up Tom Waits is she recorded a record full of Tom Waits covers. It was excellent. Um, so she, she leans more on that end of the spectrum. But 
definitely something to check out. One of my favorite albums of the year, and I've listened to a lot of music this year. I'm checking it out, dude. I'm yep. going to listen to it today. Do you want to close us out, dude? We've had a good uh, conversation, and um, we we hope you, we didn't wear you out with those uh, that rapid fire of topics, but I think that we delved into a lot of really good and, and interesting and difficult stuff today. Absolutely. So good to be with you guys. We'll see you next time on the Love War Podcast. I'm Grant. This is Brian. We're so excited that you're listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Take care, guys. Love War.